Um, hey, so here's what we uh, decided as a teaching team. Um, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page, we get together every quarter or so and just kind of decide, okay, what are we gonna do um, for the next three or four months? And so the last time we got together, we decided we should do a message on the church. Then we decided we should do one on uh, being unhindered. And then we thought, hey, you know what? There is so much life in the times we get together as a teaching team that is there any way that we could show the church what actually takes place at a teaching team meeting? And so we decided that for this series in November, um, we would come to the table because this is actually the table that we sit at on a Tuesday morning. It's over in the offices. This plant is not involved. This, this, this might be my wife's doing right there. But um, we actually sit down. We very much like this, just gather around, and we go before the Lord, and we just ask his heart for the message that we're going to bring that coming weekend. And so we thought, what a great opportunity um, to just get together as the teaching team and to do this right in front of you. And so what we're going to do in the next four weeks is we're going to take four prayers from the New Testament. Today, we're going to take the Our Father. Next week, if you want to uh, look on the version, Bible.com, go to the version app, you can actually pull up the, the different prayers we're going to do. Uh, next week, we're going to do Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. November 16th and 17th, we're going to do Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And then November 24th, um, we're not having service the 23rd because of the star lighting, but November 24th, John 17, which is, uh, which is Jesus's prayer right before he goes to be crucified. And so here's what we want. We want you to go get those verses and read them before you come to church because we not only want the discussion to be right here, but we want it to be right here. We want everybody to interact with this discussion um, because I believe that when we invite the Holy Spirit to come into uh, reading of the scripture, then all of a sudden uh, he begins to speak to not just the person reading it, but to anybody who's hearing. Do you guys believe that? And so that's what we kind of want to model and uh, what we want to do today. And so I'm going to read the scripture that we're going to go through, and then we're going to do what we do on Tuesday, which is we open up our meeting uh, by just praying. Real quick, normally Janelle Jackamore is with us. She is actually at another church this morning helping them. Uh, they didn't have a, a worship leader, so she went to go help that other church uh, lead worship. And I love that. I totally encourage the fact that the uh, churches should be helping one another and not in competition with one another. Amen? And so she will uh, normally be a part of this discussion, and next weekend she will be here at the table as well. She was here last night. And if there's something I think she would say, I'll say it in a, light, in a, like a higher tone of voice, like, hey, guys, you know, so you'll know that would probably be like something to know. Was <laughs> We're trying something new. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Now, we're going to move over to Matthew 6 because we wanted to talk about the things that happened in Matthew right before the Lord's Prayer. Uh, in Luke, he went right into the Our Father, but I'm going to pick up in Matthew chapter 6, and it says this, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their full reward 
or their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then we change over to King James Version because this is what we all know it in. And I want you to go ahead and recite this uh, when I get to it. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forget our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father God, we pray that you would just speak right now. We know that you are present in this room. And so Lord, help us to just be present to your presence. And God, I pray that as we open up this prayer, this section of scripture, God, I pray that you would begin by your Holy Spirit to reveal to us revelation, reveal to us new things that maybe we haven't seen before. And Lord, I pray that you would open up the power that comes from this prayer as we as a family, as the body of Christ, discuss um, what your answer was to that disciple. Pray in this way. God, give us great insight and wisdom in that. Lord, uh, we just thank you, God, that we can come together, God, and focus on you, Lord. Um, we just ask, God, that we we want to hear from you and what you want to say through us, Lord. So we just ask that you'd have your way. God, give us, again, revelation, like Dan said, through us hearing your word, Lord, and, and just speak through us. What would you have us say, Lord? What would your people um, need to hear what you want them to hear? What love do you want to show them, God? And so... We ask that you just have your way in this. Lord, thank you for uh, just being with us this morning. And Lord, we, we know your word says uh, that your word is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it cuts deep through our minds and, and into our spirit. And we just ask that you would breathe on your word now even as we talk about it, as we read it, we just ask you to illuminate it, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, thank you that when um, your word and your Holy Spirit and open hearts come together and collide, um, incredible things happen, and we are changed. We walk away uh, having encountered you, not just received information about you. And so that is our heart. I know I speak for every one of us in this room, Lord. Our heart is not to learn information and, and impress others with how much we know, but to encounter you and to let you change our hearts. And you know each one of us where we're at, and you know what the next step is for us and what you want us to learn today or what you want us to hear or what you want us to understand or what you want us to begin to do differently that's just going to open up new doors of, of walking in friendship and relationship with you. So we pray that would happen. We welcome uh, just you, Father. Just have your way in us, even during this time together, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we get together every Tuesday morning. It's the first thing that we do in our, in our week is we actually get together as a teaching team. Um, and we open up with a word of prayer, and it's and usually incredibly powerful and 
And even as we read through the scripture and through our prayer, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit begins to speak. And I'm praying that that's exactly happening right here in this room. What we wanna do is we're gonna take three segments of, of what we read and we're just gonna kind of break apart and we're just gonna start sharing. It's gonna be raw. We actually, um, and if you're brand new here, welcome to Shine Church. Sit back and enjoy. This is completely different than anything we normally do. Normally we have somebody get up and give a message and it's, you know, it's studied out and it's, uh, you know, we spend hours seeking the heart of God. On this particular message, we kind of decided what we were going to do for the prayers, um, but we uh, said, you know, it probably will benefit the church if we just don't come with, uh, like, this really refined, prepared message. So what we're going to do is, what we just prayed is ask the Holy Spirit to really just speak through us as we go through these sections. So the first section, Luke eleven one. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished um, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So guys, um, what, what comes to mind when you read that section of scripture? I know for me, the first thing that jumps to mind is that Jesus must have been modeling. And it even says here, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, I think Jesus modeled prayer in such a way that there was something that the disciples, uh, they, they wanted to, to get. And they, they realized that there must have been something that Jesus was doing that was different than what, what the Pharisees. Think about it. They grew up underneath uh, the, the law of the Pharisees and, and uh, through the law. And so they saw something different in Jesus. And I find it very interesting that um, after he gets to praying, they go, hey, teach us how, how to pray. I thought that was pretty good in, in that section. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think uh, as I read that, you know, there's a hunger that even these disciples are saying, okay, I, I want to do this right, and I need to know how to do this correctly, so can I lean to you, Jesus, and can you show us and teach us? And just to your point, society at that time was, I need to walk through these steps and get it right in order to be accepted, and maybe that was a little bit of their mindset of like, okay, if I do this really correctly, and if you could show me, but what they're going to find out, it's not about that. It's more than that, right? But, um, but I think I see that and that sense of, like, they're really wanting to show and learn this, and they want to show Jesus that they can do this, and so they want to learn. You know, they're open to that. Yeah, I, I, when I was reading through that, too, I just thought of the fact that Jesus, he, uh, he goes into some specifics there that we just read that is opposite of what he did. He would often go away and be with Jesus, or with the Father, excuse me, by himself. And he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites who pray and want to be known and all that. This is a, a private thing. And he often did it. I mean, there's times, and I don't recall where they are in Scripture, but he would just pray all through the night. And it was by himself. He wasn't sort of wanting the recognition. So I think he's saying to his disciples, man, this is, this is how you can connect with your Father. And, and it's a private, wonderful thing. Yeah, I think um, God is inviting us into that place of, of relationship. Um, you know, a, a celebrity, you know, Justin Bieber, is my daughter in the room? Are you here, Ellie? No, clearly not. <laughs> she would have screamed. Um, anyway, uh, but, you know, there's, there's celebrities in our world that um, are used to people approaching them 
and wanting to get a selfie with them or wanting to be seen around them. In some way, having some proof of like, I was near this person or I know this person or you know that sort of thing. Look at how cool I am. And so I think they're used to that and they can be gracious to that at times and you know allow it and all of that. But I think the heart of God is that we're not approaching him for what we can get out of him or even for like to be cool by association. But God knows our heart. He sees our heart. He's inviting us to that place where he's like, hey, don't be like the hypocrites but approach me because you love me. Approach me because you want to hang out with me. Approach me because of what, not what you get out of it, like the stuff you get out of it, but like what your heart, you know what I mean? Like what you glean and, and, and what you enjoy about being with me together in our conversations together. And I think that's kind of how he's setting it up, which I think is a really cool invitation to all of us. All right, now it's your turn. As we read through that, anybody have any, right, Peter, right there, to go off of well everything you guys said uh, one thing I wrote down was that um, when Jesus prayed it was personal and it was intimate and in that culture and that what they knew was corporate prayer what they understood was the routine prayers that they're taught as boys how they're taught um, when they're going to school and when they're learning the Torah and when they see Jesus pray, like, and you can see it throughout the scriptures, is they see this conversation that he has with his father, and they don't understand it. And so they're, they see it, but they don't know how to, to mimic it. And so in this moment, they're asking, how do we have an intimate personal prayer with God, with the father like you? Like, is there something special? Mm, that's... Woo, come on up here. No, I just, <laughs> Curtis, do you have some? Right up here. Oh, we got a couple different. Curtis, right up here, front. front. <laughs> no, it was along the same lines. I was thinking the same thing. It was. It had to have been a paradigm shift from from what the Old Testament God was and what they were being taught. To see Jesus just connecting in such a personal way must have been just like blowing their mind, and he just he just completely spun it all. And he he's teaching them, but he's teaching us, which is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's somebody over, Melanie over here. And by the way, while we do this on teaching team, here's how it goes. We get here at 8.30 at about 10 minutes to 9. Uh, Janet comes in and sits down at her desk. And somewhere between 9 and 9.05, she's already piping in. Um, and then Peter wanders in at about 9.15. He's got his backpack. And before he can even get his backpack on the ground, he's already going, well, wait a second. And, and he's interjecting. And, and so what you're, what you're experiencing right now is exactly what happens on Tuesday, which is awesome. Melanie, go ahead. That is so cool, and thank you guys for saying that because I'm picking, piggybacking on my sister over there. That was awesome, and I just, to say that, um, is that something had to feel different to them, right? Because it says right after he had prayed in that certain place, that's when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray like that, you know, like we feel something different. There's something different about this whole circumstance. Yeah. That's good. Oh, man, look at this. I love it. <laughs> All right. Closest first. Yeah. In uh, Matthew 6, um, the context, what follows that prayer is what really gets my attention. For if you forgive the men... Um, for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So the context is one of forgiveness. He emphasizes the Lord's prayer and the heart of it. 
is forgiveness. That's the kingdom of God and his reconciliation of man to him. It's about forgiveness. So he's referring to the very next verse, verse 14, which is, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting that that is the very next verse that comes right after the Our Father as we know. That's good. I think when Jesus was praying, uh, he had been with the Father. Uh, th some of those characteristics were coming across, and I was writing down as you guys were, were reading and so forth, that there was life in his prayer, there was God's heart in his prayer, and I think the Spirit of God was doing something that was resonating with those who were hearing it as it's happening, I think, right now uh, with some people. And... Uh, and I don't think the one that asked the question, teach us to pray, I don't think he was doing that on a selfish motive. Sometimes people will pray for a kind of a showy thing, uh, maybe a sense of pride and so forth, but I think there was a sense of humility there and they got it. They wanted to pray like that. That's good, that's good. Um, I don't know the scripture reference and everything, but at the resurrection of Lazarus, before Jesus calls him forth, he says to the Father, thank you that you hear me. And I think that that's probably something that the disciples sensed was that when Jesus prayed, they knew that the Father was hearing him. <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys have so much wisdom. It's, it's in right here. I just love that. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, one more. And then we... Okay, I just have a question. Is that John the Baptist that they're referring to? Okay, I just love how the question honors John because he's just like us. But he said, teach us like John taught his disciples. So I just wanted to encourage you guys in here that you can actually teach people to pray too. Like I've had friends, you know, who's just like, I don't know how to pray. It's awkward. It's weird. I don't know how to open my mouth to the Lord, you know, but you can actually encourage him with saying just one sentence. So I really like thought it was cool that how they honored John <clears throat> in that manner. Dude, that's amazing. Okay, I'm going to step away from this for a second. Um, listen, um, I, found, I find it just astounding that in one verse, we have all these different thoughts. That come. I, I didn't even think about the John the Baptist thing as you're bringing that out. I, it's just amazing to me. And I hope, my, my prayer and my hope is that you guys will realize this series is called Come to the Table. Come to the Table. Um, you know what? You can do this with your kids at home. You can do this with three or four or seven of your closest friends. Um, it's not that difficult. And our prayer is that you guys would catch this and, and realize, you know what? It doesn't take much to just get a Bible out and get a couple people together and read through a couple verses. And let's just see what it means to us. And what happens is all of a sudden people pull out things that you didn't even think of. And that just enriched my life, bro, Brandon. Thank you for sharing that because that has given me more depth on that scripture than I've ever had. And that's, that's just awesome. That's just awesome. All right, for time's sake, we're gonna jump to the Lord's Prayer. Um, we're gonna skip Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Encourage you, go read uh, what, what Jesus taught about how to pray. Um, you know, I did have one person come up and go, why, why does it say to pray in silent? And then yet you guys, you know, you pray for the persecuted church or you pray for the, the, the message and you pray out loud in front of people. I personally think it's, it's a motivation. The reason they were doing it is so that they could say, hey, look at me. 
And I think that that, at, if any point, that's the reason you're doing anything, your motivation is incorrect. And I think Jesus always addressed the heart. Would you guys agree with that? He always, always went after the heart. And so when he says those things, he's, he's not saying that we should never pray out loud, but what he's saying is, hey, Look at what your motives, I mean, he even says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray so that they can get that accolade. Um, and so just, you know, keep that in mind as you're reading through that section. Um, I don't think Jesus is saying never pray out loud. <laughs> um, I don't think that's at all what he says. Um, okay, so Matthew 6, 9 through 13. After this manner, therefore ye pray. And he goes through and he goes and recites the Our Father. Um, I'm gonna start with what I closed with last night and go see if it takes us a different direction. But um, I grew up Catholic. How many Catholics? Catholics, yeah. There's several in the room. Um, do you guys remember the Our Father? <laughs> um, here's, here's what I remember about the Our Father. I had to memorize it in second grade. And if I didn't memorize it properly, then I couldn't receive my first communion. And so we went through class and we, um, you know, they did all the things to help us to memorize the prayer and everything. But then we had to get in front of the priest and we actually had to recite to our father. And um, guys, I got stage fright or I don't know what I got, but I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so I didn't get to have communion with all the classmates that I was in. They got, that actually were able to remember it. And um, to be quite honest with you, the Our Father kind of became a, uh, a stick, a sticking point in my mind because it was the thing that I failed at where I couldn't join with all my other friends. Now, I did it the next week and I got communion and all is well in regards to that side. But um, up until I really started in my walking, talking relationship with the Lord, that is kind of what the Our Father was. It was this really rote prayer. And I think it's very interesting that just in a couple verses before it, it says, do not use meaningless reputation or repetition. Do not use meaningless repetition. And yet the Our Father is used almost in that way, yes? And I would just submit to you that as we begin to discuss this prayer, that it's not about repetition. God didn't want us to take these words and just repeat them over and over and over, but there was something that was more in depth that he wanted. So our father, what comes to mind when you read those two words? Well, I just back up a little bit, and it's so interesting because this morning is so different than last night <laughs> in a lot of ways, but... I think as you're just talking, it's so, it's f even for us, we're, we, we get this. Jesus is saying that, look, you don't have to pray in front of everyone else. You don't have to do all these things that normally the Pharisees and everyone else would say, look, you have to do this in order to be heard and be accepted. But yet still in today's church, we still put that on people. We still say, I noticed what you said, but you were out of context here, or you didn't <coughs> memorize it the right way. And it's so interesting how we just cling to that. If we miss that word or we miss that piece, but God is just saying, look, this is just a love letter to you. I'm your dad. I'm here for you. <laughs> These, this is just a roadmap if you're not sure. And, you know, it's interesting. We were in discussion um, some months ago, and there was a person that said, I don't have the words right now. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to express to God what I need right now, to dad, I don't know. And this is that roadmap, I think, is saying, 
you know what, look, if you follow some of this, it's going to start by saying, here's who I am. I'm holy, but I'm your dad, and you can worship me, and I'm here for you, and I'm going to be that bread of, for your life, and I'm going to give that to you, and you don't have to worry about these things, son or daughter, um, but it's, I think it's going through that to where, okay, remember, I have a plan for you, and so your kingdom come. I want that to resonate. Lord, what do you have for me, God? It's about you, not about me, and and. But I think it's for us, again, even today, as you were just sharing about communion and, or I'm sorry, about just the Lord's Prayer and knowing that, okay, in, in being a Catholic, I need to get through these words and I got to get them right. But we miss the whole piece of, man, this is just opportunity to pray and connect to our dad. And you don't have to do it in front of anybody. Matter of fact, I love it when you're just in a closet and we're just hanging out together. And I, it's back to the heart, right? I just want your heart. Hey, I'm going to do an interruptive Pastor Woo! Peter moment. like a normal Pastor Tuesday. Peter moment. Put Woo! my backpack Woo! down. Okay, check this out, though. As you were talking, I was just realizing, like, Jesus says, I am the Father, the Father is in me. Like, later, like, this isn't just Jesus saying, this is how we pray to him. This is Jesus saying, hey, this is how I want you to communicate with me. Like, how crazy is that to think about? If you realize that this is Jesus, Jesus is the Father, which is funny because it, it kind of makes sense even why, like, his disciples later are like, well, like, how, what, who is the Father? And he's like, whoa, 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 I am the Father. If you don't know I'm the Father, if I haven't taught you, but he's like, this prayer is so seemingly to go outward from Christ, but really, if you understand that he is God, he is the Father, like, how cool is it Jesus is saying, hey, this is how I want you to pray to me. Hey, me, which is like, and he goes from there, which I thought was really cool. Sorry, back to it. No, no worries. No, he is in the Father. Um, and that's good, 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 Peter. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, I don't think Jesus is the Father, but he is in the Father. The Father is in him. Um, I think it's interesting that he frames the whole thing with that relationship that we have as sons and daughters. And um, it made me think of Romans 8, where um, it says this, um, it says these words, um, for the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And so I think it just frames the whole prayer with the mindset of we're not coming as slaves, we're not coming as beggars, we're not coming as people that are like, I don't know, I'm kind of like scared, tiptoeing in, like hoping I don't get yelled at. We're approaching as sons and daughters with great confidence, like Darren was saying at the beginning, that, man, this is our Father who loves us. His heart is predisposed towards us to give us what we need. It, it was... Wait, wait, let me get you the mic. I think, though, that in order to, to have that attitude about coming to the Father, you have to have a right attitude about a father. Because a lot of people have had bad circumstances with their fathers. And so then to pray, our father it instills fear. on that so I'm one of those my dad instilled fear and no love and so I see tend to see the father as someone to be afraid of and that I cannot no matter what I do I cannot prove 
I cannot get him to upset me. Nothing I can do. And so that has been a lifelong, over 50 plus years of walking with him that I default. And what he did, and I don't know if this would help someone else, but he took that verse that you just read, DJ, and he took me to it. And he said, Melody, I want you to look at it like this. Angela's illustration for communion applies exactly because God said, I want you to think of your family on earth as your adopted family. I am your real father. My blood runs through your veins, not theirs, mine. You call me Abba Daddy. You crawl on my lap. You know that no matter what you do, I will love you because I am love embodied. I am loved. There's no way I cannot love you. But but her illustration is where God had to take me is to get my own dad out of the picture. By saying that, my blood runs through your veins. And it was a total paradigm shift and made, changed my life forever. My prayer life, my, my reading, my Bible life, my everything. And what, what God is doing this morning through Angela's word for communion even in the fact that he died, yes, for our salvation, but he died so that we can be transformed into his likeness and his image. And here he is teaching us, the disciples says, teach us how to pray. And this is what he says. He says, our father, um, and I looked up the, and by the way, this is, we all have our computers. I'm on biblehub.com. And so if you do this, grab a computer, get Bible Hub, and you can go into the Greek. Here's what the word for father means. One who imparts life and is committed to it, bringing into being to pass on the potential for likeness. This is the father we're praying to. And if you have a father that was nowhere near that, you know, we're all imperfect, absolutely. um, But he is the perfect father. And so when we go into this prayer and we say, our father, it's not just the first two words of a rote prayer. It's the first two words that opens up your heart to whether you're going to receive from God or not. And when you go, our father, it, it's very interesting. Somebody came up to me afterward last night and said, man, he was saying our father, meaning um, not only just a community prayer type thing, but he was saying um, to the disciple, not only is it your father, but it's my father. This is the father I pray to. And the interesting thing about what Peter said and what I just said is they're two different things and yet they're the same because the three are one. They're separate, but they're one, the Father, the Holy Spirit, or the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you, as you start to look into the Our Father, you could hang out all day on those two words. Our Father. And just start to realize this is the Father that imparts life, that wants to give you um, that life, that likeness. Oh, two words, okay. You know, moving on. Our Father, which aren't, in heaven. Thoughts that come to mind can be the teaching team or anybody out there who aren't in heaven. I think I think it's um like people there like God's art, like we're God's art. I think that we're up there, the people that died of God's art. Dude. Amen. Made in the image of God, right? Man, I <laughs> never, I mean, who art in heaven, I never even thought of art in that term in that way. And he's saying we are the artwork of God in heaven. 
Wow, okay. I think of what the Apostle Paul told us. We can come boldly into the throne room by the blood of Jesus. And it's in the Old Testament, even today, the Jews will not mention the name of God because they think it's irrelevant. And Jesus is telling us, no, he's a loving father. He said, our father. So he included us in because we're adopted into the family of God. Mm, that's so, good. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right here. I think they're kind of like, or he's stating his authority, like reminding him that God is on the throne and like that we're not praying to whatever, but that like kind of like God, you're the man in heaven. Like you are up there and you're like looking over this, like saying it so the disciples hear that, but also so it's again like reminding us that God is on the throne and he has the authority. Yeah, we're here. Um, watch, Mike goes, I, I, anybody else when you hear, who aren't in heaven, you know, heaven is so much bigger than I am. So much bigger. And, and I think a lot of times, um, I, I wish I, this wasn't true of me, but, uh, but it is that this whole world uh, a lot of times revolves around me in my mind. And this is a great reminder that, hey, you know what? This doesn't revolve around me. Um, I'm just a small little piece in God's vastness. He's so infinite, and I'm just finite. And when it says who art in heaven, you know, the word of God says that the earth is his footstool. I, I mean, wow. For me, it's just, it's a reminder that that's ultimately where I want to be with him, that I just just remembering where he's come from or where he is because he's in a state of not all this sin, not all this junk stuff that we go through and all that, but you're already in that perfect place. And it just reminds me that that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go. All right, I'm new here, so. <laughs> What's your name? Justin. Justin, welcome to Shine Church. We're glad that you're here. But I personally take it as he sees us as art because each of us have a little piece of him. And each of us com combining us together, we're a form of art that he created upon this earth that everybody gets to see around us. Um, you know, one thing while Peter's getting to the next person, um, I came across uh, in the special theological source that is Facebook uh, and people's memes. <laughs> but somebody posted this this last week. I happened to read it. It's a quote from Corey Ten Boom, who is a you know survivor of the Holocaust. And she says these words: "The wonderful thing about prayer." is that you leave a world of not being able to do something, think about her in a concentration camp, completely powerless, stripped of all freedom, stripped of all resources. It says, you leave a world of not being able to do something and enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. And so think about this person. When we feel weak, when we feel like I can't change the situation, I can't strong arm it, I can't, 
I, you know, I can't pay enough or, or do enough or say enough. I can't heal this person. I can't do. I can't. I can't. I think when it says our Father in heaven, I'm reminding myself. He's inviting us to say, I know you can't, but come up here with me where I am because I can. And, and I'm listening to you and I'm making my power available. doesn't mean we always get exactly what we want right away, but we're having a conversation with our Father in heaven outside of the box, outside of our impossibility in the realm of the possible. And I think that should be encouraging and inspiring to realize the, the power and the consequence of our words and our relationship with him. Okay, so um, I wasn't, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I went to a Lutheran school um, my whole life. So I understand the monotony and the redundancy that you feel with the Our Father Who Art in Heaven. We had to repeat it with our American flag every morning at school. Um, and one of the things that I had to really take a step back on was God telling me, this is an instructional guide. This isn't a redundancy. If you look back at the previous chapter, uh, previous verses like we've already read, it says don't be repetitive. Don't be like the pagans. Um, and in the message version, uh, it's even more descriptive in, in the imagery. And I love the message version of this this scripture, um, but it's a recognition of God's place in our life and God's authority and who we're supposed to be. It is um, appreciating what he has given us um, and what he continues to give us, continuing to forgive us and teaching us uh, to forgive others is continuing to teach his word and his, who he is. Um, and continuing to protect us from our enemies and giving praise and thanksgiving for our prayers being heard. This is the foundation of every prayer that we have. That's good. I, man, I, <laughs> it's, it's already 1130. And, um, I, you know, I know we took extra time for the persecuted church and that's why it's going extended. Um, and so here, here's what I'm going to do. I want to encourage you guys you can do this anytime you want. Um, and just I, I, my, my heart and my prayer and my hope is that um, here in just a few minutes when we, when we close this, that you will take this home with you and that you'll open up the Our Father and you'll read it from a different context. Uh, I want to read an email I got from somebody this morning, um, and I hope that this resonates with you. Hi, Dan. Thank you for your word regarding the Lord's Prayer. I grew up in a Lutheran church, and the teachings paralleled the Catholics. Every day, it was the same thing over and over, to the point it meant nothing. I sat in church last night with tears rolling down my face. I later went home and started journaling what the Lord's Prayer means to me. For the first time in my life, I could see God, what God was saying. Man, that is, that is my heart for every single one of us in this room. Um, and so, obviously, we're not going to get through the whole thing. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't go home and get through the whole thing. Brittany. Hi. Uh, I like to keep things simple. I wish my girl Julie Flaherty was here because she and I, we try to dumb it down. I have a six and an eight-year-old, so I try to, like, model my parenting and my... Anyway, so I went to the Passion Translation because I know you guys are big fans of that, and it says, Our Father dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Pretty simple compared to which art in heaven, hallowed, all the fancy words. And so I just try to, again, just dumb it down for myself and my little kids 
to just be like, it's, it's pretty easy. We love the Lord. He loves us. He's in heaven. We're here on earth, but we're trying to get there. So, Dude, I love that. I love that. And you know what, Brittany, you, you bring and illustrate something that happens at our teaching team all the time, and that is this. Um, we will look into different translations. We, like I said, we have Bible Hub looking up Greek words and that kind of stuff, and bring out the Passion Translation or Message or, or other. It, it, it Sometimes it just speaks in a different way. And uh, again, this Bible Hub tool on the computer or whatever tool you use, you can read the different translations, and it may just speak louder in one than another to you. And man, do that. Investigate those things. Okay, so here's how I'm going to close. I'm going to ask these guys uh, just real quick to uh, briefly, uh, what would your takeaway that you would hope somebody uh, would, would leave here today with? That's one of the questions I ask at the teaching team is just say, you know, when you teach that message this coming weekend, what is a takeaway that you want somebody to leave the room with? I think the uh, simplicity would just be, you know, God wants our heart. He wants us fully, and we don't have to do anything differently that we constantly tell ourselves, I'll be accepted if, and we're going back to freedom and identity, and that God um, is saying, you're more than enough. You are my daughter, you are my son, and you're more than enough. And um, I think, and I think too, I would say, as this has unraveled, boy, um, you know, God wants to give us freedom. If you are held with maybe that that father figure that wasn't the right father, as we were talking about earlier, or you've been um, held up that I just don't know the, the scripture right or the right words or don't have that down, God is saying, look, I, I want to give you freedom. So I think it's freedom, and I want you in your heart, and you just come as you are. Uh, I would say that um, for me, it's it's kind of the same thing. I just think it, it's a simple relationship, and you know, Jesus in so many ways was, um, I think, coming against uh, what I would what you could call just the religious spirit of thinking we if we do certain things a certain way that God accepts us or we can earn our works or our righteousness, I should say, through our own works. And He makes it real simple, and. Um, I want to put in a little plug for something that I think is a helpful little tool too. I would give you this is a little practical thing if you want. I made copy. We made copies of this out in the, uh, the coffee bar area, and and years ago a guy named Dr. Larry Lee took the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may have heard of him, and he broke it down into bite-sized chunks that just makes it real, and you can follow it and go the way you want to go with it. The Lord will speak to you just like we're talking. And uh, we have some copies of it. He goes into the names of God. Uh, there's many names of God. He picks a certain amount and just breaks that down. And, and uh, each part of this prayer, he makes it real simple for you to do. Because I, I would try to pray for five minutes, and I'd be done in like 30 seconds. You know, like, okay, I'm all done. I don't know what. And this... His whole thing was, uh, can you not tarry with me an hour? Jesus, he prayed, remember, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane? You pray, like, with this type of thing. It's not just that you pray an hour, but that it, it extends your relation. It opens your relationship up with, with Jesus uh, in a way that can take, uh, you know, a while to enjoy. <laughs> Love that. Um, it's, you know, it's a tough question to answer because every line, every word in this prayer is so rich with meaning, and I'm just, I can't wait to hear of, of what God speaks 
uh, to each of you, you know, as you guys start, start saying, Lord, show me what's your heart, you know, through, through each and every part. Just what's standing out to me right now is the last phrase, you know, for yours is the kingdom or thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. I love that because it just reminds me we are talking to the decision maker. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you have a business meeting or an arrangement. It's like, well, yeah, everything seemed good, but there was somebody else that vetoed it or somebody else that, and it's like, no, no, his is the kingdom and the power. Like there's nobody, once God and us agree on something, there's nobody, there's no higher power that's going to put a, you know, wrench in the deal. Um, you, we can walk away with confidence, with peace, with assurance that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm, amen. Um, I had somebody tell me last night that the thing that God showed them in this prayer, and man, it really resonated with, with me, is that they've been trying to leave or live their life in this prayer backwards. And I believe that God puts things in, in, in order. When we read through the scripture, I think there's a reason for the order. I think there's a reason he says, our Father in heaven, before he says, lead us not into temptation. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a reason that he has this. And this person came up and just said, I feel like I've lived my life in the prayer backwards. Mm -hmm. I try to ask God to lead me out of temptation. Then I ask him to forgive my sins. Then I say, because well, heaven is yours and you're my dad. And, and when you try to do it that way, which I think a lot of us do, we, we realize that we don't live up to the perfection that Christ is. And so therefore we're like, God, man, lead us from that temptation. Take me from the, that sin that I'm doing. And oh my gosh, forgive me for the sin. You know what? That's the last two things that God has us do in this prayer. He actually wants us to adore him first, understand who he is as the, that, that perfect father. Go to him and say, you're bigger than I am. And the last things we do is, hey God, by the way, forgive my sins and help me to not do that again. And I just thought that was just incredibly insightful. And again, just something as we were just talking about it that wasn't even mentioned, but that's what God spoke to them. And so I would say, um, my takeaway for you is, man, whatever, as we were reading through this, whatever the Lord spoke to you, you know what, meditate on that, focus on that, and ask God to drive that into you because that is going to be a part of the transformation of the bloodline in you that we spoke of at the beginning of the service, and that is this, to be more transformed into his image. And if you'll grab that one or two things that God spoke to you as we were starting to pray through this and read through it, man, start living that more today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today, and all throughout the week, and you will be maturing and becoming more transformed into his image. Amen. And so, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the prayer that you gave us and uh, help us to really uh, truly understand that it's not a rote prayer, that you don't want us to be re repetitive with it, but, Lord, you want us to break it apart. And even if we only hang out in two words or four words of it for the entire prayer time that we have, God, give us that freedom to do that. Help us, help us to get away from that uh, that performance mentality that says you have to get through a certain amount or you have to pray a certain number of words. But God, help us to realize that you are the loving Father and that you want to instruct us and you want to lead us into the prayer that you've given to us. Thank you that you could teach a bunch of fishermen how to pray. And if that's the case, you can teach us as well how to pray and how to have that direct, personal walking, talking relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen.